Hey guys, it's Dawn. If you would like to hear the How My Parents Raised Me podcast ad-free, and if you would like access to subscriber-only episodes, join me in the What's the Truth community. You can join via the Apple Podcast app. There's a link right there in the app. Or go to whatsthetruth.supercast.com. Links are in the show notes. Don't miss out on all the extra content I'm sharing. I can't wait to see you over there. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Every one of us has an interesting and inspiring story to tell. Hello, I'm Marcy Brockman, author, artist, English teacher, and podcaster. My memoir, Permission to Land, Searching for Love, Home, and Belonging, is my story of surviving mental illness and addiction to learn to grant myself permission to grow, heal, and build a beautiful life for myself and my children. And check out the companion guided journal, Permission to Land, Personal Transformation Through Writing. Both are available wherever books are sold online, and signed copies are available at my website, marcybrockman.com. Taking my mission of healing storytelling worldwide is my hit podcast, Permission to Heal. Each episode provides inspiration, connections, and wholehearted vulnerability as we learn to give ourselves permission to heal. New episodes drop every Wednesday. Find Permission to Heal wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Find me, my books, and podcast, and so much more at marcybrockman.com. It's like a hierarchy. We're told to go to school, go to university, pass the exam, get good grades, and then you'll come out of university, then you'll get a job, and then you'll get married. This is my story. And then you have children, and then you've done your purpose, if you like. And in finding that purpose, finally, it's like running a race. You reach the end winning goal, and you're happy. But a lot of us aren't, because we did it because we were told to, not because we wanted it or we were passionate about it. And my understanding, this is what I'm saying to children and parents now, is you can choose to be happy in any moment. Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me. I'm Dawn Chitty. 
When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls. And the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hey, beautiful soul, who are you? Think on that for a moment. Who are you? And are you happy with where your life has brought you to in this moment? From childhood, we are on this trajectory to creating our perfect life. But perfect life is in inverted commas because whose idea of a perfect life are we living? We are given all kinds of expectations from our parents, family, society that tell us that if we get a good education, if we get a good job, if we get married, buy a nice house, raise a family, then we are living the dream. But how many of us get through ticking a whole bunch of those boxes only to realize that we feel empty, angry, lost. We thought that ticking things off the list meant that we would feel fulfilled, at peace, like we'd arrived at the destination. I'm chatting to Amanda Ryle Hill on the podcast this week. Amanda is an author, podcaster and teacher. Her life experience was exactly this, ticking off boxes only to feel deeply depressed. And as Amanda described it, she was so used to doing everything to fit into that square box, playing a role that she never considered if this was what she wanted or needed in her life. Amanda discovered that she needed to go inward to connect with her wounded inner child, drop the limiting beliefs and choose herself in order to live the life she craved. Please join me in hearing Amanda's story. Amanda, I'm really excited for our chat today. You've been on a journey that I think many of us can relate to from depressed and lacking self-worth and love and feeling like you were just existing to feeling positive, empowered and with a purpose to your life. You're an author of some important books in this area, which we will chat about a bit later. I know you speak a lot about the programming that we receive from our families and from society, which changes us into a person that is not necessarily too much like who we really are. We essentially lose ourselves to the programming. Can you speak a little bit about your experiences as a kid and the programming that happened to you? Of course. Hi, Dawn. Yes, I am an advocate of sharing the message that we are not who we think we are. 
Um, what I simply mean by that is very young children were born curious, confident, um, innocent, and we experience life that way. And yet, as soon as we go into school, we're told, no, don't do it that way. Do it this way. Do it my way. And we have been told and conditioned from family, society, friends, that there is a way to do it, a right and a wrong. And I'm now 53 and I'm only finding the trust and faith in myself to realize I do not have to listen to other people. I can go within me to find out exactly who I was because I was feeling very empty. Even though I was giving to other people, which I was brought up Irish Catholic, you give, you serve, it wasn't enough. And there was still a great big hole. As a child, um, I had two older sisters and a younger brother, and I felt the odd duck, if you like. I didn't fit in. And as a child, I turned into a people pleaser so that people would like me. And what I look back now is that I didn't like myself. And I didn't like myself because I'd given up who I was born to be to fit into the box that society presented. Everybody goes into this box and this is how we do it. And even that way, I found hard. So in school, I struggled academically. I couldn't read till I was nine. Um, I was the last person to be able to use an ink pen. And I'm a teacher now. And the reason I became a teacher was because I was told I wasn't good enough and I'd be lucky to get a job sweeping the streets. And I believed it, you know, at 10, because I was brought up that you respect your elders, which I still think is important, but I wasn't taught to trust and value myself. So I created stories from real experiences. So I got lost at the age of four, couldn't find my mum. And when she found me, rather than saying, you're safe, you're well, you're happy, we're back together, I got a big smack and told off. So I realised the voice I created in my head is a very telling off voice. There's a lot of should be's, could be's, would be's and musts. And I'm now present to the language. Forget what I use for other people, the language I use to, to tell myself off. And it was all negative. And it created my limiting beliefs of, I don't fit in, I'm not worthy, I'm totally unlovable. And I was rejecting love because love is all around us. And yeah, no, that doesn't suit me. And I loved, I'm going to be honest here, I was quite prideful and arrogant thinking, yeah, I'm right, you're wrong. So I am unlovable and I'll prove it by ABC. And I finally met my husband at 37 and I knew he was the right guy for me. And I had a baby hit postnatal depression. I had been depressed beforehand. And that was my woe is me story. I'm the victim. And I danced in that and I was in drama with that or I was low in that. And what a waste of energy <laughs> because I just hadn't come home to me. And I've spent the last two years on a journey of self-discovery, sitting in silence, which is something I abhorred because silence to me was so loud probably sounds a bit weird but even sitting the first time I did five minutes meditation oh I was like ants in the pants and what I realized is I was a very good person at doing but not at being and what I mean by that with societies with expectations and demands I was always on the go 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 my husband actually said to me it's only on the two-week holiday you actually sort of release the button <laughs> and relax and what I found in being and accepting myself, 
my energy has shifted and I am joy naturally. I'm not saying we don't have good and bad days because that's fine, but I don't own them. I'll be honest as before, if I had, let's call it a bad hair day, I'd make that last a week. I catch myself. I'm very aware of my emotions. My emotions are not me. My thoughts are not me. They just come and go. And I talk to them and say, I hear you. I see you. I accept you, but we're not going there today. Yeah. And in that space, I am helping children, family, but more importantly, I chose myself first, which went against all my narratives being told as a child, because I realized we all need to put ourselves first to fix our inner wounded child so that we can show up today in the place we want to be in. Yes, I love all of that. And when you go back to your family, these sort of core beliefs and ways of doing things are passed down through generations, aren't they? What do you think were like the core beliefs that were in your family? Well, we all say we don't want to turn into our mother and I'm so grateful for her, but I realised she very much had the story that she wasn't good enough. If you gave my mum a compliment, she'd, oh, get me a bucket, I'm going to be sick. She dismissed everything. I can remember, you know, as a teenager, when you're feeling awkward enough and I had my hair cut very short, she was, oh my goodness, look what you've done. We're going to have to distract from your face with big earrings. And I know it was meant with love, but that's, there's very negative connotation. There wasn't any, you're good enough as you are. I love you as you are. And I hadn't met her mother, but I can see this travel down the generations. There was also depression and mental illness in my mother's side of the family, which she would not talk about. It doesn't exist. And then, of course, I presented with it when I was in my 30s and I went down the rabbit hole, spiral depression. I was actually hospitalized because it got so serious. But looking back, I can see that was my way of thinking my whole life because that's the role model I had. She was amazing work. I mean, she brought up four children, although my dad worked, she supported him through getting his qualifications to be a surgeon, but she never, ever stopped. Not even to watch TV. She was either knitting, fixing, doing, she could do everything. And that's what I thought the role of a woman was. And I didn't see the role of what do the men do? Because although he did provide, he wasn't around. But I could see there was hurt and upset in her. And I wanted to fix her. And this is what she was doing. And I was a great fixer. There's a problem. Here I step in. But what I've come to understand is that actually we're all fine as we are. There's nothing to fix but there's a lot to accept. And my limiting beliefs of I'm not good enough, I don't fit in, I don't meet the scale, I'm unlovable, were all part of this inherited narrative that we lived in our family. And it's actually just a story. But because Mm. it was my thought, I thought my thoughts are part of me, so they must be true. Yeah. My emotions, they must be true. But what I've realized, emotions, and I lived in a lot of shame and guilt, And they're negative emotions. I don't like to call emotions negative, but people see them that way. And they see them that way because they don't like the discomfort you feel. It's awkward. It's horrible. And it's actually sitting in the discomfort, letting them in and saying, I see you. I feel you. You're welcome here, which sounds madness. You're welcome here. Guilt. And actually, and anger. And actually letting them, they can just do their job and go. And I have released so much. I've realized Over even the last month, 
I had underneath all that, I had such deep seated sorrow for my inner wounded child. And rather than going to blame or fault, I took responsibility and thought, okay, that didn't happen when I was young, but guess what? I'm me now. And I choose to go back to that inner wounded child, pick her up, give her a hug and say, you're fabulous. I love you. And together with her innocent curiosity and creativity she was born with, and my experience together, we are unstoppable. Oh, I love it. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you say, I think sometimes we think we feel certain emotions, but actually the emotions are different. It's a different mm-hmm. emotional together. I think yes, for years, totally. I felt like a lot of, I thought I was an angry person uh, when I was younger, but I think a lot of that was really just anxiety. And it yes. just pre- sort of presented in this way that came across as anger but it was just like so much anxiety there all the time and I never even thought of it as anxiety so no I think it's it's really interesting and you talk about how people are labeling kids and putting them into sort of like a a box almost Mm -hmm. with a label on it can you talk a little bit about that because this is something that I've thought a lot about over the years is throughout the whole of our society is like we just want to label people it's so easy to say well that that person is this so I understand it you know and it's yeah you said it beautifully there we want a label to name something and with a label we think and this is the which I realize isn't quite true we think we have an understanding no we've just put it in a box we've categorized it it's like I'm taking it away from people a tree You can see a tree, but as soon as you name it, it's just a tree. And yet every tree we see is beautiful, has something different about it. And we classify children because of our education system and we have expectations and demands that they should be reading at this age, writing, you know, meeting their milestones. And I didn't meet those milestones. So I was told I wasn't good enough. And so of course there's evidence because I haven't met the tick box. But life is not a tick box. We are not to be labelled. Nobody is just one thing. Yes, you can take on, I'm a mother now, I'm a wife, I'm a teacher, I'm a podcaster, I'm an author. But I am so much, they're just things that people can call me to think, oh, I get that. I understand what an author is. I understand what a teacher is. But I'm not. I am an energy of joy, happiness, inspiration and passion and honesty and I can bring all that because that is the true essence of who I am and you are that too and we can bring that to anything that we step into any situation but children do not have the capacity they haven't got the life experiences their brains are still developing until they're 25 years old and to tell a child you are this and if you're coming from authority or even a parent of course they're going to believe you but it's actually what I'm learning. I've got a 13-year-old son. Yes, he's hit the teenage years. And of course, I'm embarrassing mummy and get out of it, mum, and what are you like? And at the tip of my tongue was to say, don't speak to me like that. And then I thought, stop. Where's he coming from? Well, of course, I'm embarrassing mum because I'm not his age. I'm not one of his peers. And that's fine. But I'm just now letting him be who he needs to be and loving him anyway. And that's what I realised I didn't get doesn't mean I don't guide him and tell him and there's consequences but rather than sort out and fix the consequences so that my child doesn't feel the pain and hurt no I'm letting him have the consequences because he's got to be able to deal with his emotions and how he views himself 
It's got nothing to do with me or society. It's him and the choices he makes. And that is a big ask for parents to do because we don't want our children to suffer the way we did or run the stories. But that's how I'm stopping the generational narrative passing down to him. Yeah, and I love that. And that's something I think the world needs to understand is that we are really just given these children and we're their guides, aren't we? You know, exactly. we're not but we don't to... own them. No, we, we don't say own my them. son, my daughter, rubbish. They chose us. This is how I'm thinking of it. They chose us and thought, oh, interesting family to join. <laughs> Lessons to learn. And we have them for such a short time. And all our job is to meet their needs, you know, besides food, shelter, um, and warmth as a child, but to instill in them that we trust them, we love them no matter what, and we'll always be there for them. Mm. But they've got their journey to do. And my, my son, because he was hospitalized recently, turned out to be food poisoning, but he had also had a lot of anxiety around his exams. And I went, he can't have anxiety. This is my ego speaking. He can't have anxiety. That's what I suffered from. I'm doing this work so he doesn't have it. And then I stopped and went, whoa, Mandy, you haven't sorted it and it's fine. And he's picked up on it, but he will do it his way. And as soon as I realized that, I could let it go. And in letting it go, I don't make any judgment. We are so quick to judge and to step in and say, no, this way or that way, relax. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting when you talk about, we have got this construct in society, which is all about getting to a certain level and ticking a box and passing an exam. And then mm -hmm. when you've done that uni course, you're then going to have this great job. And, and it is this sort of, this whole construct around life that if we follow that path and we tick all the boxes, then we're going to be ecstatically happy. Yeah. And in fact, I think a lot of people find themselves really lost and feeling like, well, I'm actually That's not it. happy. It's not yeah. fulfilling me because I'm really just living somebody else's dream or somebody else's expectation totally it's like a hierarchy we're told to go to school go to university pass the exam get good grades and then you'll come out of university then you'll get a job and then you'll get married this is my story and then you'll have children and then you've done your purpose if you like and in finding that purpose finally it's like running a race you reach the end winning goal and you're happy but a lot of us aren't because we did it because we were told to, not because we wanted it or we were passionate about it. And my understanding, this is what I'm saying to children and parents now, is you can choose to be happy in any moment. The moment's now. It's not in the past. It's not in the future. And in that doing mode that we all do, school, next thing, next thing, next thing, we're never in the moment and we miss so much. Absolutely. If somebody is feeling depressed about where they're at in life I mean I'm just sort of wondering is it a feeling of emptiness or what are the feelings that might indicate to somebody that they're not living the life that they could be living it's a huge feeling from my experience of isolation and even though there are people around who are asking after you your welfare you're not in a place to listen because you're so stuck in your head and the stories that you've created along the way and they have to be right. Because my biggest fear is if I'm not this depression, who am I? 
because I was so used to being that way, there was nothing else left. And I was terrified that actually underneath everything, I'm just a boring nothing, that I'm useless. And that was the story I was running. And what you need to do is just hold space, not fix. It's awareness, self-awareness and reflection. And rather than sitting there, so woe is me and oh, nothing goes right and it's not fair, which is a story you're attached to, just go, okay, this has happened. It's true, but what do I think about it? Now your ego will be going, oh, it means. I'm just going, no, I choose. There is happiness inside me. I'm alive. I'm here. And it is in seeing the beauty outside in nature and the small things. After this big lockdown, and I'm sure a lot of people have been isolated and depression and mental health has been on the rise. But with me, it's given me time to actually sit with myself and let all those feelings come up and don't make them right or wrong and sit with them and say, okay. And then I can say, oh yeah, I see how I made that true. And I've kept going, making that true with my decisions and my negative thoughts. So I'm changing my, I say every day, I'm worthy. I'm wonderful. I am good enough just as I am. I don't have to be like you. You don't have to like me for me to like and love myself and accept myself. Just accept who you are, because wherever you are on your journey, it is perfect. It's just time and lessons keep hitting you in the face. This happened with me with the depression, kept coming and coming until I went, okay, I surrender. <laughs> I hear you. Right. So I've got to deal with this. Woe is me, this shame, this guilt, and just let it go and not make it and fault and blame. And I don't like to use the fault and blame. I take responsibility now. So I changed the language that I use to myself and around others. But it is feeling isolated. But I want everyone to know you are not isolated. There are organizations, there are people. Just find one person that you can sit and open your heart to. And that means a person who's not going to try and fix it, but just listen, hold your hand and say, I love you. I'm here with you anyway, because that's yeah. all we want. That is every human being's deepest desire. Yeah. Absolutely. And it really does come down to just making a choice for you doesn't it because totally. I speak to a lot of people who say but I don't know how to get out of this I've tried this but I can't stick to this and I can't do that and it's so entrenched in this negativity it's really Sorry, just it's... making a choice isn't it it's making yeah. a choice but and all sticking that with it. has come from outside of them and society runs like that it's called advertising and we're told buy this and you'll be happy get this and you know the rest of your life it's going to be wonderful and actually the choice is not outside you the choice is within and I'm going to be it's scary but it takes a lot of vulnerability and that's a word I didn't like to use about myself because I thought it was weak and actually I realized vulnerability is the strongest thing on this world to be vulnerable with yourself and to realize I am just who I am. And that's okay. That's all you need to start saying with yourself. And in that space, you can make a choice. No, I'm not choosing society. I'm not choosing the way my parents told me. I'm choosing me. And that's why I called my book, I Choose Me, because first time I was coming home to me, I hadn't got all the answers worked out. And we do want the how, give me that one, two, three. <laughs> but that's coming from a neediness and a demand. I want to fix it now. There is nothing to fix, but there is a lot to accept. And if you make a decision, and this is the biggest breakthrough I've made, and you don't like it, so what? 
make another decision and then make another decision. And that's it. It's just one step at a time. But without the first small step, nothing can happen. Yeah, I try and put that up a fair bit on my Instagram page. Just do one thing. Just yeah. take one step in the right direction or in a direction, you know, yeah. because if you're entrenched in something, just doing one thing, going for one walk or, oh, just, yes. you know, just just doing one thing differently in your day. It's life-changing. Yeah. But also acknowledge that you've done it because that was another thing. So I do things and I go, oh, that wasn't good enough. (laughs) And I go, whoa, look at me putting myself down again. And we all do it. So I just, yeah, I took that work. And actually, what did you enjoy about it? Yeah. See the good. But we've been trained, conditioned to look at the negative. And we've got to turn that upside down because it hasn't worked and it's not healthy. And we've got the capacity. We've got people like you out there who's sharing it and there is understanding but it's down to the individual to take responsibility and make that first step yeah absolutely ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And as little kids, life is all about creativity curiosity and wonder for the world around us yes should we be bringing more of that into our lives and how can we do that I totally agree with that um in early years in the UK we allow children to learn through play and I've been a teacher for 30 years and I had parents saying well they don't come here to play but they do because in their play it's free from any results and they can explore, they discover, they learn. In Norway, they do this up to the age of eight, which I think has to be worldwide. Because if you give the children the first eight years just to play, discover what they like, what they enjoy, the connections they can make, they're going to be very grounded and have faith in who they are and the world around them. Now, for me, I'm trying to bring mindfulness into schools. And mindfulness is just about being in the present moment and seeing, using your senses. What can you see? What can you smell? What can you taste? What can you feel? And even going for a mindful walk, because usually we go for a walk, but no, we're not actually on the walk. Our body's there, but our mind's doing the shopping or the niece or the tick list, as you said. And we're never truly present. I was talking to a child at school who was very anxious about coming to school. And I just went back to washing her teeth. I said, you were washing your teeth. But what were you thinking about? She's all about school. I said, so you weren't washing your teeth. You were already in school. And this is what we are totally unaware of. So it's bringing awareness. And don't make your thoughts wrong, but just see them like 
lily pads on a river that can pass or I see when I go into meditation I see it as a blue sky and my thoughts which are not always positive are like clouds that pass and I say I see you but you can carry on traveling through the sky but before I've attached them and said okay that's a thought I'm running with that and then that thought leads to another thought and, and before you know you're worn out and you don't know where you are anymore and you've lost yourself yeah and it is about sort of detaching from those thoughts isn't it because when <laughs> when we're in that negative mindset we're so entrenched and attached Mm. to to everything that we think and I've definitely been in those stages myself where I just can't get out of my own head I mean it's just and then you take yourself off for it and then you go off on another tangent and thoughts are addictive and certain emotions are addictive and what I mean is that I didn't even think you could be addicted to your emotions but I was addicted to the woe is me the self-pity um the shame and the guilt and I was actually having a party by myself a pity party every day loving it but coming across as I didn't love it but it was that shock of oh my god that's my go-to place that's what I do and there's something about the way our brain patterns have been certain pathway and that's our to do things that's what I call I went okay so next time I have that feeling I'm going to catch it and say no we're not going to go I'm choosing not to go down that path I'm choosing just to be present I use my breath to be in the moment and then looking out I'm looking out the window here just to see the beauty of the colors the nature and then that's where the wonder and the awe is it's like going for a walk with the mindset of a child that innocence that you've never seen anything before Yeah, that's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? And Mm. can you tell us a bit more about the role that the ego plays in all of this? Because I was reading that you actually named your ego. Yes, Pratsy. (laughs) Because she's a Pratt. (laughs) And yet I gave her all the power and I thought she was me. And our ego, and if you're not sure what your ego is, it's that little voice in your head. And if you think I don't have a little voice in your head, it's the one that just asks that question. That's your ego. And your ego is full of judgment. It's judgment about yourself, about others, how things should look, should be. And we all, as human beings, we want to look good. So if you're saying you don't care about what you look like, let's cut that story. We all want to look good. It doesn't have to be just physically. It wants to be how you show up in your job um, or anything else that you do in life. But it's not always possible to look good. Sometimes we need to look foolish and we accept it. I laugh at myself a lot now, and it's a huge relief. Laughter and tears are actually huge releases. But my ego had me... I was even scared to go up to people, although I come across as quite confident. Boys, that was a false drama part of me. I thought nobody's going to speak to me. Nobody's going to like me. And that's what my ego kept telling me. So it kept me small and safe, but isolated. And it's actually not thinking, right, that's just a voice in my head. But who do I feel I should be? What's sort of my calling, if you like? And it was with children. And I just love being with children because there's just no edges to them. They just say what they see and they're true and they're honest. And through that, I have come home to my own child inside me and I just show up in that. And it's true. A third of people are going to like you no matter what you do. A third of people are not going to like you no matter what you do. And a third don't really care either way. And that's all okay. But I was so attached and craving the validation of others through my ego, that I realized I didn't even ask myself, what is my opinion? 
I actually didn't have opinion. I didn't have a lane. And that was a huge shock because I realized I was so busy driving in other people's lanes to feel good about myself, to organize and sort their problems. But I hadn't given any value to me. And sitting now with myself and say, I am valuable. I might not look valuable to other people, but that's not important. What's important is me with me because I'm with me till the end of my days. So loving yourself is key. Yes, absolutely. It's so true, isn't it? And I think a lot of people would be exactly the same and will have never thought about that question. We just, from the moment, you know, you can remember your earliest memories, it was about trying to impress other people, trying trying to impress your parents, doing what they wanted you to do and you know, it just goes on and on from there, doesn't it? Yeah, it's such an ingrained part of us. All we want as children is to be seen, to be heard and to be loved without judgment and without demands and expectations. Yet society has conditioned us in such a way as that I will love you if, I will accept you if. There is no if. You are you, I am me, we're connected, we're human beings. But it's the beingness in our humanity that's important, not the doingness. Yeah. And so when we're talking about healing that inner child, what are the first steps to to healing? I think it's actually acknowledging that there is a child within you because we are, as I say, we're wounded inner children masquerading as adults because we're at a certain age and we think, well, I've got it now. You know, look, look at me. I've got a job. I've got a house. I've got a husband. I got it all. And that's what society told us. We'd be happy when we had all that. Yet in your quieter moments, and there was a huge void in my life. And it was the void of my child who wasn't seen or heard or acknowledged and accepted as a child. And rather than my old habit would have been to make, well, how very dare they not look after me? What are parents for? Who are my friends? How dare those teachers? And I did do that. Hold my hands up to it. But then I went, ah, ha, 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 no. So I closed my eyes and I went back to that first time as a child where something didn't go the way I wanted it. And I felt real hurt. I thought it was anger. It wasn't. It was hurt and rejection. And I sat in that feeling and I didn't make it wrong. And I said, I see you. I feel let it out. And the first time I did this meditation, my little girl had her back to me. She was crumpled over, crying her eyes out. And I was a bit, I thought, I can't do that. That's too much responsibility. And I thought, no, I will. And I went up to her. I couldn't touch her because I had so much attachment. It's not right. And then the next day when I did it, she was there facing me with a little smile on her face. And I could hold her hand then. And I said, I see you. I feel you. I am you. You are me. And it was that connection, realizing it. But we also want to look good as adults to go back and see our wounded child and accept her and love her or him takes courage and vulnerability. But in doing that, I realize that's why I can allow my child to be who he is without anything, because I am, when we're speaking angrily or crossly, to others, especially our children as an adult, it's not us speaking, it's the inner wounded child. It's the anger, don't do that, that's not fair, whatever. And that's, listen to your language. Spend a day 
with whatever thoughts come into your head, just write them on a piece of paper. You're going to be shocked at the end of the day how negative they can be. Mine certainly were. Acknowledge your thoughts, write them down. Acknowledge your feelings because you'll have lots during a day. Write them down and see them. I've done a lot of mirror work. So I've done it with companies that I say, get a mirror, connect with your eyes, see who you are. And you will have, I did it with one girl and she was there. I could see her going, oh, sorting out her lipstick. And I went, well, what's running in your head? And it was, well, I don't look good. Write it down, write it down. And you're, you're not even aware you do these, they're so ingrained. And then I said, now, when you've got that piece of paper, read it out loud. And you can do that as an adult without any attachment. And then I said, now, imagine a child age three or four that you might know or that you don't know. And they're coming to you. Now, read that out as if you're speaking to them. And then they've gone, you won't do that, can't do that. And yet we are speaking to ourselves every day and have done since childhood, but you wouldn't do it to another. So why do we do it to ourselves? Because nobody has told us we have that wounded child. It's yeah. time to heal them, let them be seen, heard and loved. Be compassionate. Yeah, I love that. That's um, so important. Yeah, I wanted to ask you a bit more about the victim mindset that we get into because I have noticed that some people have said, but I am a victim of what happened to me. And it's almost like they they want to hang on to it. If I'm not a victim. Who am I? Know, they, yeah, almost. That's yeah. exactly who I was because I have had unpleasant things. I was groomed. I've been through rapes, but I am not attached to them. I can now see that, yeah, that did happen. I'm not dismissing it, but I'm not attaching it. But what I've realized is that there was a trauma cycle. And for whatever reason, in that situation, you might have gone into fright or flight mode. But the trauma system was not fully healed and processed. So we got stuck in it because we might have frozen or whatever. And then we haven't gone back and we've stuck in that energy and we're reliving it, reliving it, reliving it and making it us. Unpleasant things happen every day. That's the world. Seeing it not as you, but as an incident and choosing, yes, I accept that. Yes, I was wounded. And then seeing, well, how was I wounded? What's the story? What's the feelings that I was either ashamed or fearful to let out? Sit with those and let them process. They need to come out. They're stuck in your body. I used to get pains here, there and everywhere. I've been doing a lot of releasing, but we don't like to release because it doesn't look good. So it's easier to stay in the victim mentality, which I bathed in thinking, woe is me. And it's a nice story because it makes people feel sorry for you. But what I've noticed, I've let go of a lot of friends who I surrounded myself with that was feeding that energy. It's like crabs in a bucket because I'm a very visual person. So a crab in the bucket, one's trying to get out of the bucket, but the others want to pull them back down, pull them back. No, don't leave us. Don't leave us. And that's what you're doing with your story. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. But it was an incident. Don't make it wrong. It did happen, but it's not happening now. By the attachment, you are keep that pain, but you're, you're, you're scared of letting the pain go because without that pain, think, who am I? And that's exactly how I felt about myself. But, you know, I'm a mother now. That void was still not being filled. And I just realized now 
and it's okay. I just had hurt, fear, pain, and a lack of love and compassion. And I'm embracing them every day. I am compassion. Recently during a meditation, I found love deep inside. I went, oh, wow. And I'd never felt that before. I was really, I was crying all the way through it. And I was so shocked it was there, but I had so dismissed it because I was addicted to the feelings of the shame and the anger and the injustice. So you've just got to find what is your station? What is your emotion or your go-to place in your victimness? Because you'll have one of them and just see it as it is. That's a thing. And you just haven't accepted it. You've given it, oh yeah, I'm enjoying this or I do it. And then you're making yourself wrong for feeling it. Don't make yourself wrong. Feel it, let it out, let it be seen. Welcome it in and let it go. It doesn't want to stay. Yeah. And I love that you said that you actually found that there was joy in there. And I was, there was shocked. Love. I yeah. was shocked. No, I'm going to be really shocked. honest with you because we speak the speak and we say it, but to actually experience was, yeah. But, you know, it didn't happen overnight. This has taken me a year of meditation and sitting with myself and letting things come up without making them wrong. And because I like to be right, that was very hard for me. I can say that again. It was very hard for me. But I knew I was so fed up of this feeling of emptiness and being that victim mode because I knew I was so much more. It was my mind keeping me in that place. And I thought, no, you've ruled me. Now I'm going with my heart and my soul and my essence and that little child. And you can see it with any child out there. If you look at two, three-year-olds building sandcastles on the beach, you know, the sea comes in, washes, they go, oh, no, they have another go. They don't go, oh, that's it. The sea's come. I can't do it anymore. But that's what we do as adults. Yeah. I choose my childhood energy and I'm going back to my child and I'm reliving my childhood that I didn't live fully as a child, now as an adult. Oh, I love that. That's that's just so good, isn't it? It's possible. This is what possible. I want really, because if you'd met me 20 years ago, or what I'm even saying, three years ago, I was very much the drama. So I had that positive, <gasps> but it was all the drama. I am now so much grounded and the drama isn't drama. It's just my joy. But before I was just, it's like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I was, woe is me, Eeyore, oh no, another bad day. But I love that. But to actually admit that you love it was my first step because it was a shock because you don't want to admit that you love that. Absolutely. That's a really good point. So you talk about meditation. What are the things that have really helped you through that process? I had to do guided meditation. There's all sorts of meditation out there. I use Headspace and I use Calm. They're two apps you can have on your phone. Calm was great because it was a very short one but I've developed it and then I do evening meditations now and I can do my own meditation where I just go into silence with no distractions and just see what's there. And it's actually, and this is what we're not taught to do as children or as adults, it's actually an opportunity to stop the busyness, stop the noise and go within and see what is inside you. There'll be confusion. Your hair's going, you've got an itch on your nose, itch it. The washing needs to be put out. And that's all called distraction. I was great for the distraction avoidance and all those, but they look good to the outside people. Look at how busy she's doing and helping. But it was a huge avoiding what I am that just let me see they're just emotions. They're not me. And I thought they were me. That was the biggest surprise. And they go. 
they come, they go. They'll come back again because we are beings that need to feel, and that's fine. But I needed guided meditations because I needed that structure. Our minds need structure, and it's self-discipline, which is a form of commitment to self, and that is love. So what I do is I get up uh, two hours earlier than everybody else in the morning, and I have my 45 minutes of using calm and headspace to do my meditation. I have a journal where rather than phoning up friends and vomiting all over them, <laughs> I journal it all out in my book. And it's a release. And it's actually then through my meditation, I've realized I can choose who I want to be each day. So I said, today I'm choosing to be purposeful. I'm choosing to be joy. I'm choosing to be inspiring. I might choose something else the next day. But I go into school in that energy, and that's who shows up in the classroom. Then I say to the kids, who are you showing up to be today? And they're only little. And I said, I can see you. I can see how you're standing. I can see how you're wearing a uniform. I can see what your face is telling me. And that's got nothing to do with the curriculum, but I'm acknowledging them as beings. And it's amazing how they suddenly shift. I said, who do you want to be? I'm not telling you who you have to be. Who do you want to be today? And even I have children who are angry. I say, I see you. You're angry. I see it. I feel it. That's okay. That's okay. And they're so confused because they've been told anger is not a good emotion to feel because it's lack of control. And we want to look good, don't we? But actually, under the anger is usually a lot of hurt and let it go. And they might need to cry. And I said, I've got you. You're safe. And then it's gone. And it goes so quickly from children because I've allowed it without saying, no, you've got to look like this way. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I think there's so much we should be teaching kids in school that, you know, it's so obvious to the, the way that our whole society is running. We could change some of those things at the well, very we're, beginning. We're running with Victorian age. Yes. Education, tests, the history. I was actually on a thing for diversity and inclusion. And I said, you know, it's not about the academics when you can get, you know, answers at the end of a button and look at the history that we teach in the UK. It is very biased. We are all human beings. Doesn't matter about race, color. We are essentially a human being before we're anything else. And actually it's looking at the history, look at it from the other perspective. But we don't. We're trained to look at only from one thing. There's always two sides. Mm. On a cube, there's a beautiful story I'd like to share that God, whatever you want to call him, creator, is in the middle of the cube. And on one side, you've got Muslims. Another side, you've got Jewish. Another side, you've got Christianity. Another side. And all six sides are different religions. And this is our labels again. Yet we're all looking at the same thing. Yeah. So why, why is there that difference when we are all coming from that love inside and as I said teaching children that's why I think they've really got it right in Finland to be curious creative and learn and accept and then bring mindfulness into all schools and between each lesson because I don't think we're going to change the academics curriculum that quickly but that's my that's my passion um if we have just five minutes mindfulness practice between each lesson, I'm here, how are you feeling? Acknowledge, because our bodies speak to us, but we don't listen to them, all those pains and niggles. That is grounding. That is faith. That is love. 
it only takes five minutes. Yeah. And I feel like the weirdest thing is that the biggest job that a human can have is raising another human. Oh, and there's wow. a, That's there's the actually, most important job. Yeah. But there's actually not really any, I mean, there's a million books, right? There's a million mm. courses or whatever. But I feel like there should be, before you have a child, you should be actually given all of this information. Oh, totally. Because, because we, all of us are just doing what our parents did and it's yeah. just... and looking for answers and the how-to, because as I said, and this is why I, I always wanted children, I wanted to have six children, then I had the one, and I was ter- absolutely terrified because of the responsibility, and I thought, I can't do it, I just can't do it. See, the ego's taking in again. But it's actually children are fine just how they are. We just want to change them, give up wanting to change people and just accept ourselves. And if we bring children up accepting themselves, when they're adults, they're going to be perfectly fine. But we have the knowledge and the understanding now to change. Now we've just got to step into that in our own awareness. And that's what I'm doing with my son. I'm not trying to change him. I'm working on me. I'm working on accepting, being disciplined, committed, rather than going, yeah, I'm going to stay in bed for an extra 10 minutes rather than get up to meditate. No, I'm getting out of the bed because I know if I don't do that, and then I'll hold my hands up. There are days that I've missed. But my whole day goes out of kilter because I realize I'm running with my head then in the yeah. stress mode, the anxiety mode, rather than being, yeah, this is happening. Oh, look, that person's reacting like that. Interesting. I don't have to make it about me. I can be there for them to support them, but it's nothing to do with me. Yeah. I am who I choose to be now. Love it. I love all of that. So Amanda, you are the author of I Choose Me and the children's book series Mood Munchers. You have a podcast yes. called You Choose You Now. Tell us all about what you're doing and what you're offering. I wrote I Choose Me to get over myself and I hold my hands up there. But in the book, it is my journey. But at the end of each chapter, I've given activities because people do want to know the how to. So I've given an activity of what I did myself and my own reflection on it. And people are free to try that out for themselves. The mood munchers, I'm an Elsa, so I work with emotional literacy with children. And I noticed that all children say they're happy, they're sad cross of the three words they use but they have no understanding of emotions and they make it I I'm happy I'm sad I said no you're feeling and all the books out there weren't making emotions as separate from ourselves as the visitors they are so I created the mood munchers as colorful characters that come and visit and I was rewarded when a child said Mrs Hill Mrs Hill I read your book Blaze who's anger came to visit me but I knew I just had to sit with him count to ten and he's gone it's great and that to me was oh wow that's exactly why I've done it and I am making toys for them I want to make t-shirts and things and that we get out that we are not our emotions they are the mood munchers and all of them are acceptable. I've got Judd from Judgment, who's fabulous. I've got Skill, Guilt. I've got Rue in Shame. But you can say, yeah, Rue's visiting, rather than make it about yourself. And also what I've found out is parents, you can heal your own inner child with that. And actually having a conversation, anger's okay. There's no good, there's no bad, there's, they're all okay. So that's the reason I created those. 
And with the podcast, I chose me. I chose I deserve to heal and to come home. Now it's you choose you now, but it's now that's the time. It's your choice. And my podcast is very much sharing my journey from everything I've been through, but also what I've learned and what I'm taking on for me so that I can show up to be who I want to be and who I am. I was meant to be. And this is where I'm leading forward. And this is just the beginning. Each day is a new beginning. So I just want people to realize you've got everything you want and ever dreamt of within you. You just haven't had access to it. And this is my way of helping you access who you're truly meant to be. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because it is all in there. And we've just got to bring it out and find that joy. Find that joy. It's in there somewhere. It's there. It's in there. I see it in your face now with that beautiful smile. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Amanda, I really enjoyed hearing your perspective on the links between our childhood programming and our entire lives, really. Mm -hmm. It's so clear and obvious, and yet we just don't see enough about this stuff in the world yet. So congratulations on the books, especially the Mood Munchers. I think they sound amazing for kids. I'll put all of the links to where people can find those on the show thank notes. You. Thank you so much for bringing more awareness into the world. And thank you for sharing everything with us today. It was great to chat with you. Dawn, thank you. Thank you for making a stand. Thank you for standing up. And let's share this. It's possible. But as you so beautifully, it just takes the first step. And that's what we're doing. Yeah. Let's rock this girl. show notes for a direct link to all books recommended in this episode come and follow me on instagram at my big love project drop a review if you're listening on apple podcasts and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it you are such an incredible soul because you are you you are unique your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thank you for joining me. I'll catch you next week.